0: Food, feed, body care, oil, fuel, cars, plastics, paper, homes, clothing, hemp, a plant that serves so many purposes. This is Cannabis Network Radio. I am your host, David Kowalski, broadcasting from Mile High City, Denver, Colorado. How is everyone doing this evening? Guys, how are you? Ed, Justin, what's up? Doing great, man. Doing well, brother. Yeah. Good, good to be here again. How am I sounding? You sound great. Sounding good. How good. How's it feel to be back right. in Denver, sir? Uh, it feels like I'm a mile high. <laughs> <laughs> um the uh it's a different world here. You know, it really is a different world. Um you know, just it's kind of like um, almost when you land in the airport and you get out, you know, get off the airplane and you get situated and then you just go around the city um, and you experience, I, I mean, you know, from, from riding on a bus or just walking into stores, Starbucks, I mean, anywhere, you know, people are conversing about all things cannabis, whether it be the new hemp initiative that happened here in Colorado um, or just but in general and it's like literally you're stepping into a whole different world. Um, it's, it's, it's almost like a weight lifts off of you when, you know, it's like you have to plan, you're like, ah, you know, or you can go outside and then smoke a joint and not have to worry about, you know, being tackled or whatever, but yeah, it's nice. You know, I enjoy it. It's going to be a, a quick visit, but, uh, nonetheless, um, you know, I had a really good day today. Uh, things are, are, are awesome, and I'm very grateful through um, everything and everyone out there uh, that is so supportive of Cannabis Network Radio, Cannabis Information Network, and everything that we do. Um, having said that, I want to give a shout-out to Dixie Elixirs. Um, great, great group of people. Um, check them out, DixieElixirs.com. Uh, they are your choice for metables and cannabis edibles. Um, check them out. Um, Thing. Um iTunes, uh, from what I understand, we're number four on iTunes. Um, thank you very much for our uh, listeners and subscribers and whatnot for supporting us on iTunes. If you have not checked us out on iTunes, uh, go to Apple, uh, open up the store, type in Cannabis, uh, go down to Podcasts, and there we are sitting at number four, Cannabis Network Radio. Um, I definitely would like to um, you know, thank everybody, the close to 7,000 people that have already liked our page, the hundred forty thousand people we reached last week, um, you know, with our show. Um, thank you, everyone, for your support. Uh, together, we will grow. Um, on the topic of growing um, hemp, um, as I started the show, I kind of listed uh, a few, uh, a few, literally, I'd say, a few uses for hemp. Um, hemp is not cannabis. As much as I like to associate the two together. Um, the commercial hemp plant um, is a cousin to cannabis, and without getting into the laws, because I'll save that for another show or another discussion. Um, for industrial hemp to be illegal on a, a federal level is almost like saying that powdered sugar should be illegal because it resembles cocaine. Um, it's it's foolish. It's silly. Um, you're looking at a renewable plant. Um, that can take the place of so many things. I mean, from just simple basics, forget the plethora of of other things, some fundamental things in terms of global warming, hemp can change. Fuel. Henry Ford in 1947 not only constructed a complete and total car out of hemp, he went ahead and made it run on hemp fuel. Uh, Rudolph Diesel, um, when he developed a diesel engine, he made it run on hemp oil. Um, hemp is renewable. In 16 weeks, in 14 to 16 weeks, you can have an entire field of hemp um, planted. Um, you get, I think, out of six acres of hemp, uh, you can have enough fuel to to uh, run a small city uh, for about a month. Um, and this is something that can grow over and over and over again and it's beneficial to the land. It doesn't hurt the land. Um, you know, so just the basics of just oil. I mean, hemp biomass can produce electricity from sulfur-free charcoal um, as well as ethanol. Um, and there's so many derivatives out of, of hemp. Um, you know, as I said, just in regard to the fuel, you know, we, we are polluting our world and we have global warming and we have all this because of emissions from factories, from fossil fuels, so on and so forth. And here we have you know, a plant that we can create and generate fuel from, oil. And having oil said that, you can make it into paints, varnishes, lubricants, sealants, plastics. I mean, all these things, like, can all be derived from one plant as opposed, as opposed to all these toxic chemicals that are being put into our world by the plastics industry by using oil derivatives and toxic chemicals. You can actually take a hemp a piece of plastic made from hemp, toss it into a fire to, to uh, destroy it, and it will be clean emission burning. It will not give off any toxins at all if it is produced properly. Um, that's how clean using hemp to create um, byproducts is. Um, plastics in, in general, I mean pl- hemp in itself, the fiber has over 50% cellulose in it, which is the building blocks of plastic. That's more than any chemical derivative that plastic manufacturers use right now. 50% of cellulose is half the plant, literally, as derivative to make plastic. So you're looking at a biodegradable product that will reduce landfill waste. Um, It will not, you know, I don't know if you're aware or the people listening are aware, there's huge masses inside the ocean. They're like dead zones. They're filled with tons and tons of plastic um, of all kinds. And these are. This is it's toxic plastic, and it, and things like that they are destroying our world. Here, um, I shouldn't say here because I'm not in Florida, but in Florida, right in uh, Tarpon Springs, they're building uh, a hempcrete house, an entire house. they actually built now, and they're probably living in it. But an actual entire home made out of hemp, um, hemp concrete. Um, so then you get into like food. You can produce. Firstly, hemp oil derivatives, again, I'm talking about oils, from the seed is better than any omega-3s, better than any fish oil. Um, It is starting to become a little bit more mainstream in regard to supplement use. Um, Hemp oil is, um, but it is an extremely super powerful um, healing oil. It's great for joint care. Um, Hemp seeds provide nearly complete nutrition. It's got 10 essential amino acids. It's got four essential fatty acids. Um, It's got 30% protein, um, and that's healthy protein. It's like strong protein. It's one of the most easily digestible uh, grains or or, or seeds or whatnot out there. Um, It's an ideal protein, um, and it's an ideal food for human consumption, and it can be made into meal, into flour, into, you know, all different kinds of things. So, you know, again, hemp can, I'm not going to say cure world hunger, but definitely can help because hemp can be grown in many different climates, um, it could be grown quickly, um, and it's one of those things that, that, I, that I, I don't even understand what the objection is to legalizing, you know, hemp for commercial use, you know, and the excuse that it's, you know, it's, it's marijuana or, you know, cannabis is, is just asinine. Um, you know, yes, there are similarities um, to the hemp plant, but as I said earlier, you know, Saying that hemp should be illegal because it's like cannabis, again, is like saying powdered sugar should be illegal because it resembles cocaine, um, you know, which is which is an asinine statement to me. Um, one thing which I did find out in regard to some hemp issues, which is really big in Canada and in Europe, um, you know, when I was talking to the gentleman in uh, in Tarpon Springs and I went to view uh, the hemp create health. Everything that The reason why it cost so much for him to to build this house, um, it's a 1,700 square foot house. He spent, I think, he said he spent close to $400,000 to construct it. And 80% of the cost, he said, is because he had to import everything from the UK. Um, All the material, all the mixing, and not only that, none of the materials to to mix the the hempcrete and the tools to install it Are here available in the United States, so he had actually import machinery and equipment and everything like that as well, um, which now I guess he has and owns in his possession, so that could be kind of marketable in the future. Um, You know, as hempcrete hopefully becomes a mainstream uh, construction material. One advantage also about um, hempcrete is that it is uh, not prone, no termites in, in Florida. That's super important. Um, It's not prone to any kind of mold or mildew. It is antibacterial. Um, It breathes naturally, uh, which will reduce your heating and cooling costs um, by up to almost 40% um, if the home is constructed properly. Um, In Europe, uh, European automakers actually are starting to make auto panels um, from composites and biodegradables um, from hemp um, because Europe is much more uh, open to commercial hemp than the United States is. Um, Colorado actually in the past seven days, uh, they actually did just plant their first hemp, uh, commercial hemp crop. So that's kind of exciting. It is the first of its kind here in the United States um, and hopefully uh, many uh, states will follow uh, to make the availability of commercial hemp here in the United States uh, an option. Um, now touching. I I know I'm going back and forth on different things, and and I know we have an hour to talk about things. Um, I'm going to touch on hempcrete just a little bit more. Um, Hempcrete, just to clarify, you can look it up online. Um, You can also look up hempcrete house tarpon springs. I think there's pictures and information about it. You can Google that. Um, But it is a mixture of hemp and lime. Um, It's fire, water, rodent proof. Um, It's got it gets stronger actually as the years go by. Instead of typically like a home would become weak and unsustainable and fall apart, hemp becomes stronger and stronger and stronger across the board. Even when it comes to clothing as well, um, and it's you know it's one of those things where your house literally and it sounds weird to say it, your house is breathing like literally. Natural air can pass through your home and keep it aerated and fresh, and again prevent mildew and mold and all those things. Which in Florida, you know, and, and among other places, but specifically here in Florida, um, is you know one of I think almost an essential. It's definitely so beneficial to homes being built because of you know the mold issues that happen here because of the humidity and heat, and and also uh, termites and so on and so forth, and furthermore, hemp is three times stronger than plywood. Um, and most of the homes being manufactured in most places are, are starting out with a base of plywood. Or you know, how homes are just made so junky these days. Um, you know, if we had the ability to be able to produce homes out of hempcrete, um, you know, the longevity, the durability of the home would you know be exponential. Um, but then again, you know, with things that last a long time, larger corporations are, you know, they're not, they don't have that expiration date. They don't have that, uh, you know, thing where things are going to start falling apart. Oh no, you have to replace it and spend money. So, you know, that's some of the, the commercial pushback, I guess you have to, to hemp, um, in terms of, of clothing, um, hemp clothing, I know like it, hemp clothing is readily available. Um, you can purchase most of it online. Um, I would like to honestly start being more uh, conscientious of, of wearing hemp clothing um, because, A, it's breathable, um, it lasts, it's durable. You can get a hemp shirt and it will, you know, it gets stronger. Every time you wash it, instead of getting weaker, it gets stronger. Uh, so the shirt's not going to be, you know, like you have your favorite T-shirt and it's like falling apart, got holes in it. I know I've, I've retired a few of those in my day. You know, like I would love to have a favorite shirt that will last me forever. I guess I don't know forever is I guess a big word, but a very long time. So you know, um, in regard to paper, hemp pulp paper um, does not require bleaching like regular paper does. Um, the chemical lasts. The bleaching chemical used in commercial paper processing lasts literally for hundreds of years. Um, and also, aside from the fact that we're destroying our forests. Um, you know, it takes about 60 years for a tree to be replaced um, that's cut down for paper. And I understand that in the U.S. there is a forestry initiative that, you know, as forests are cut down, new forests are planted and then they have to be left, you know, but they're still destroying, you know, trees that produce oxygen, help clean the environment. They're nature's scrubbers to, to all the, you know, crap that we put out there. Um, you know, with hemp, again, 14 to 16 weeks, you have an entire crop that's ready to go, not 60 years, um, and you can take um, you know, the, the hemp pulp from the plant um, and you can use it and you can recycle it over and over and over again. So even after the first use, because of the durability of hemp, it can be recycled so many more times than tree paper. And an acre of hemp, can produce as much pulp as an acre of trees over a 60-year growing cycle. Now, if you think about how much paper is consumed, now, granted, we are making initiatives across the board to to consume less paper because things are going digital, um, which are good and bad because you have, you know, security concerns and risks. I mean, there's always vulnerabilities, whether it be you know people stealing documents, so on and so forth. But still, we use a lot of paper. Um, I think. I have to look it up, um, and I'm going to throw a number out there, but I think as of last year when I was in some research, the United States government actually is the largest um, consumer and user of or waste of of commercial paper um, in the world, actually. Um, You know, they send out all these things, um, you know, on paper, documents, briefs, I mean, literally tons and tons of paper that just you know, go to waste, and then, you know, on top of it, you can actually produce ink, um, ink derivative, just like soy ink, you can produce ink off of, off of hemp, too, and mixtures, you can start using, you know, print things with hemp ink on hemp paper, and, you know, all of it is one plant, you don't need a million different things, all you need is different, you know, modifications to production um, to utilize this one plant to do so many things. Um, I feel like I'm just, like, going on a tangent here and just talking and talking and talking. Um, You guys in the studio have any uh, questions, comments, feedback, anything? No, I'm just enjoying the information, brother. All right. Well, you know, I always say it sounds weird when I'm, especially when I'm not in the studio and, like, I'm just talking. I feel like I'm talking to nobody. (laughs) No, it sounds great on this end, so keep it up. Uh, did you want to so, take a break or um uh yeah maybe maybe uh, about nine we'll take a break uh, i want to get into a couple other things here and, and uh, about hemp. um i'm going to get into the politics a little bit i'm not going to get deep into um into the politics of it um but back in in world war ii um again this is the google research thing if you want you can look it up um there's hemp for victory. Um, there is infomercials or commercials that we played before movies, um, things like that. Where actually we were encouraging farmers to grow hemp. Um, there is an initiative and a tax credit to farmers to grow hemp. Um, right now, the largest tax incentive goes to tobacco, um, which really provide no side benefit aside from you know cigarettes and killing you know four million people a year. Um, but then again. You know, who knows? Um, a lot of it also is misinformed and propaganda. Um, as the years have gone by, and obviously there's been a uh, correlation again to marijuana um, from industrial hemp, and, you know, because of the government's propaganda and because of commercial uh, capitalism, it's one of those things that, um, you know, people just... It's a sheeple... Thing I'm going to say. People listen to the propaganda, they believe what they hear, and they choose to just be ignorant to the fact. Um, so hopefully by, by talking about it, educating people about it, um, then you know, people can start saying, hey, why aren't we using commercial hemp for products, so on and so forth. I mean, right now there's over 30 other nations that produce industrial hemp. Um, England, France, Germany, Australia, Hungary, China, Canada, I mean, there's a $300 million market for hemp and hemp products in the United States. Um, and that's, I mean, that's just an open possibility of, of just basic stuff. It's not even getting into advanced hemp manufacturing. $300 million. I mean, just imagine how many jobs, how much business, how much industry could be created creative by commercial hemp and derivatives thereof. Um, you know, again, it's... You know, I know that me personally, I focus so much on cannabis legalization, you know, and focus on on the aspect of of the medicine of of cannabis, you know, and I don't focus enough on hemp. um, But when I educate people, I definitely like educating people about hemp. And just as much as anyone that's listening to the show or the podcast or anything like that, you need to talk about hemp as well and educate yourself about hemp. Um, The hemp plant is something that literally, literally can save Our planet. Going to an Earth Day celebration, or recycling is fine and dandy, and that's great. You're one person. Your one person also has the power to educate so many others by just educating yourself properly about about hemp and the roots thereof. You know, you're going to talk to someone about how great marijuana is, fantastic. I commend you. Good job. Go for it. Throw in hemp too. Education goes a long way, and only people. The only way that we're going to go ahead and give out proper information is by people talking about it. Just like I tell everyone to have a conversation about marijuana, have a conversation about hemp too. Open. Talk to it. Write your congressman. Write your senators. Let your voices be heard about commercial hemp because this is something that literally can change the world. I like to say that I have the power to change a person's life. Why? because I can educate them on how they can save their life or help a friend or save the life of somebody else. This is something we can save our Mother Earth. By just doing something simple, like using commercial, industrial, hemp, we can literally save our planet. And why people just don't want to realize this is beyond me. And there's so many good organizations out there um, that that support the Hemp Initiative, and we support them. Cannabis Network Radio and Cannabis Information Network supports those organizations as well. You've got hemp.org, and you have um, Hemp Assist, um, and so many other places. Um, one thing also, which is a big deal about commercial hemp, is the DEA claims that hemp contains THC. Um, yes, I'm not gonna just dis- refute that fact. However, it contains less than 1% THC. When you're talking about medicine now in the world of cannabis that has you know 20 plus percent THC and then in the concentrates and medibles that have 70 percent THC, when you're got less than one percent, you know you're not even looking at you know any type of of uh, like psych psychotropic effects or even medicinal effects for pain management somehow. Um, you know the DEA has a history of seizing shipments of hemp clothing um, and having tested. Uh, each piece by punching out samples of glue and therefore ruining uh, the product. They'll see things at ports. I mean, it gets to be somewhat ridiculous. Um, and, like, if you take an actual hemp seed um, from a, a commercial hemp plant, you actually have it tested, um, you will not find any type of even trace amount of THC enough to even, even come up on a test. And furthermore, one thing which I do find interesting is most uh commercial wild bird seed mixes have hemp seeds in it somehow or another um, and granted they're dormant seeds they're dead seeds so if you were it would fall on the ground or whatever um it's like I guess neutered seed it won't grow but if you actually look through wild bird seed you'll actually see little uh, cannabis seeds or hemp seeds um, and uh At one point in time, before 1937, there were a million acres of of hemp growing all over um, the United States. There's half a million acres in South Dakota, um, another million in Nebraska. Um, Even to this day, you can go outdoors and find wild hemp growing in different places in different parts of the world. Um, Kentucky was huge in hemp farming. Um, If you look at at hemp in general, um, in, in terms of farming industry, um, there's so much opportunity for commercial hemp and far- to rebirth the American farming industry, and then once the American farming industry is is rebirthed and away from, you know, GMOs and, and all that nonsense, um, we have a whole new infrastructure for um, industrial growth, meaning businesses to produce said products, biodiesel, plastics, hemp clothing, et cetera, et cetera. So, you know, as I said a little bit earlier, if you just think for a minute about how much industry and how much how many jobs, how much revenue, how much everything could be created just by introducing commercial industrial hemp into the US economy, it would be a game changer. And then if you go ahead and, and factor in commercial industrial hemp and cannabis into it, you're looking at literally a 180 to our economic development as a country. The United States would become a great commercial, industrial, economic country once again, where we would actually be able to dig ourselves out of the debt that we're in. We'd be able to create so many jobs. We'd be able to create a whole new industry for our this generation and our generations to come. I'm not just doing what I do for myself. I'm doing what I'm doing for my children and the people that I love and the people that I care about. And I know so many people out there that know me, they're like, dude, you're wasting your time. You're doing this. It doesn't amount to anything. You know what? It amounts to the fact that I am trying to go ahead and help not only our current generation, I'm trying to help our future generations and to have sustainability, profitability and and a country that we could be proud to live in and say that, you know, we have, you know, make us a great country again. And just the simple things as as legalization of commercial industrial hemp and cannabis, it's something that is that simple. Unfortunately, simple things are the most difficult things sometimes. And so I'll continue to do what I do, and I'm going to continue to fight for what I believe in and stand up for what I believe in until, you know, things change. Because... You know i 'm not one of those people that goes down with a fight without a fight, I should say, um, you know, and uh, i I want people to start waking up and realizing that, that this really is a game changer not only for yourselves but for your families, for your children, for the people you love and 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 for our country. Um, so now is definitely the time to educate yourself, go online, research hemp. Um, the derivatives the thereof, and and make a difference. Um, all right, I need to uh, take a few minutes, so let's go into a break. Um, be back in about five minutes or so uh, with Cannabis Network Radio here on uh, Podstream Stream Live. <music> Welcome back to Cannabis Network Radio. Well, that was a much-needed break and a break from running my mouth for a few minutes. Um, wow, what can I say? So much to talk about. Um, actually, since I wasn't a hundred percent certain uh, coming into the show what I was going to do earlier today, I put out um, both on Cannabis Information Network and Cannabis Network Radio. Um, uh I guess a message saying, you know, what would you like me to talk about uh tonight on um Cannabis Network Radio? So I'm gonna get back into talking about hemp um but I want to answer a few questions um and comments that I got here. Um I'm gonna touch first on cannabis information networks questions here. Um a bunch of people, uh Troy um Mar, Mar- Pia, I think, and uh, Sharon, y'all are in different states, um, and you made comments about why won't they even listen to our um, thought about legalization and, and why won't they reschedule so and so forth. And, and it's, the answer to that question really is very simple. The states, aside from the politics behind it, from everything that I have learned and the little bit I dabbled in this past year in politics, even the people and the people that are in Congress or congressional offices or in local governments that are pro-cannabis, that are pro-legalization, because it is a federal issue, people in certain states on the government level are afraid to go against the government they're afraid for their jobs they're afraid for their livelihoods and they're afraid for their careers um because of the federal guidelines on it um i'm very happy um, and proud of all the government officials and people in the states in the 19 states that there is uh, either medical or legalization efforts um on the books um, i commend you um and i you know, hope that those of you that help and support those initiatives in those states that are in the government, uh, talk with your constituents, you know, at your powwows and get-togethers and and, and try to say, look, need not be afraid. Um, but that, that's really what it comes down to. I, I've spoken with a lot of people on a, on a political level. Um, yes, there are certain people that have agendas that are anti, you know, cannabis reform. Um, but, a lot of it has to do with the fear. Um, Maryland's a very good example. Um, Governor O'Malley in Maryland this year uh, he went ahead and, and signed a, a quasi legalization bill. I mean for all intents and purposes it's a start. I know that people in Maryland are not a hundred percent happy about what's going on, but you need to take a step back and look at it as progress. you know you can't go from nothing to everything overnight as much as it would like to be so even even a half ass backwards legalization or medical legalization law is a step forward. So stop being pissy and bitchy about what it's not and try to figure out how to work with what it is. But one of the biggest pushbacks when Governor O'Malley went ahead and said that this is going to be a university based program, because the university is like, Whoa, wait a minute. You know, we're federally funded. You know, how can we be involved in this? We're afraid we're gonna lose our funding. We're afraid we're going to lose, you know, so on so forth so one of the biggest fears and i remember last year too before you know this bill in maryland uh, came about when the bill was introduced in maryland the year before it was very publicly known that employees and i think there even was a, a, a mandate that came down or, or some sort of inter-office memo that came down that said that we are basically afraid of taking an initiative um, to legalize cannabis because we're afraid of the ramifications that can come to our state employees um, on a federal level. Now, having said that, you guys are a bunch of wussies. They're opening up a dispensary right around the corner from the nation's capital in Washington, D.C. Um, so people who live in D.C., which is a medically legal state, or district, I should say, because D.C. is not, not a state, um, they're going to have a dispensary like right in the middle of the nation's capital. So, you know what? It's time to step up. You want to, you know, you got into politics for a reason. You want your voice, or you want to make changes? Well, you know, it's time to put your big boy pants on. And, uh, you know, stop saying you're afraid, because, you know, fear is one of those things that, that won't get you anywhere. Um, so, I don't want to digress too much, but that's just a brief uh, you know, brief uh, comment on, on the different states and, and legalizations. And honestly, the only thing you can do is, again, advocate. Talk about it. Advocate. Uh, talk to your friends. Talk to doctors. It's so, you know, talking to your doctor openly and candidly about uh, cannabis use, especially if you feel you're a good candidate for a patient, um, for patient needs, then, you know, have a conversation with your doctor. It makes a huge difference. Um, you can start there. Um, it's so simple. Um, let's see. Another question I have here is from Papa Paul um, about getting Schedule 1 changed. You know, as much as it would be- behoove cannabis and marijuana to get changed from a Schedule 1 to a Schedule 3, honestly, it shouldn't be scheduled at all. It's a plan, first and foremost. But honestly, if it gets changed from a Schedule 1 to a Schedule 3, it actually doesn't really help us much as, as a people, but it helps as corporations get patents on, you know, derivatives thereof of uh, cannabis and the beneficial elements of it. So when you talk about rescheduling, it's not per se the most ideal thing. There should be no scheduling. It should be removed completely um, from any type of schedule. So I'm not a big advocate of rescheduling, rescheduling um, cannabis. Um, on a state level, Potentially, depending upon how the state laws are written Uh, on a federal level, no, I don't think there should be any scheduling of cannabis at all, Um, so on and so forth. Oil, Um, hemp oil. I have a couple questions here about hemp oil. Why do people refer to RSO, which is Rick Simpson Oil, as hemp oil? Um, Canadians do refer to marijuana as hemp. Um, That also can create some confusion. Uh, so a lot of times people are talking about hemp oil in terms of medicine. It actually is not hemp oil. It is cannabis oil. So just to clarify that when there are references to hemp oil and medicinal use in terms of, like, killing cancer and things like that, um, they are talking about cannabis oil, and it's just being referred to as hemp, which is referred to a lot of times in Canada. Um, I'm not going to continue on any more with cannabis information uh, questions. I'm going to jump over to Cannabis Network Radio's uh page and answer some uh questions there. Um uh a history of US Hemp, I kinda touched on that a little bit um before. I'm gonna talk a little bit of, about that um as soon as I'm done this uh segment about answering these questions. Um John, to answer your question, um talk about how cannabis has helped us out most. Um I, and I think that's a pretty open <laughs> you know how has cannabis not helped us? Aside from people that have been arrested for, for a plant and whose lives have been, you know, burdened by our ridiculous laws, um, there really is no non-benefit to cannabis, whether it be uh, the cannabis plant or the hemp plant, so on and so forth. How, how has it helped us? Um, it, insurmountable. It saves people's lives. Um, it kills cancer. Um, it, it helps people not you know, get out of depression, Um, it helps people function, it helps people be happy. Um, You know, I look at it this way, medically speaking, oh, you're a patient, you know, people want to cry that, you know, it's a sham, so on and so forth. If a person is feeling better, I don't care whether they are deathly ill or they have a headache, feeling better is feeling better. And if you are happier and you're able to function better, and you're able to live life and your quality of life goes up and you have turned your frown upside down, then you have achieved something more than, you know, you can naturally than with pharmaceuticals. So, you know, medically, you know, if it helps the person across the board, then sure, it's a medical necessity across the board. It's all medical. Um, So uh, I think that, uh, you know, John, again, to touch anything about how cannabis helped us out the most. Um, in terms of our generation, generations to come, that has yet to be seen. But as I said earlier, um, between cannabis and commercial industrial hemp, um, it can help us become a great nation again. Um, it can help our generation and generations to come to create a sustainable uh, living environment, uh, financial environment, commercial environment um, in the years to come. Um, and then lastly here, um, from Grokine. yes, we all know that cannabis is not addictive. Um, anyone who says that cannabis is addictive are idiots. Um, and I'll just put it out there. And I said this probably in previous shows, and I will probably say it again, is as I have said to numerous people, especially drug addiction counselors, they love getting into arguments with they lose, but they love getting into arguments with me. And it basically sums it up real quick. I ask them every single time, when you get a headache, what do you do? Most of the time the answer is uh, I take a Tylenol or I take an Advil or I take a this or I take a that, you know, some sort of pill they take to offset the headache. So I'm like, okay, so you're addicted to taking Tylenol or Advil or something like that. Oh, no, I'm not addicted. What are you talking about, I'm not addicted? Well, I mean, you have a headache, you hurt, so you're reaching for pain management every single time. Therefore, you can't cope with the headache without taking Tylenol or Advil. So therefore, you're addicted to the pain relief that's provided by said medication. I, you am know, in and this and that, so on and so forth. I say, okay, well, then, you know, if somebody has a headache or somebody has, or let's say a woman has bad cramps or let's say somebody, you know, had a bad day and, you know, whatever, instead of having a, a shot of scotch or instead of, you know, popping a Tylenol or an Advil or, or stuff like that, you know, you can go ahead and, you know, have some herb and, you know, makes your world 100% better. Um, our veterans that suffer from post-traumatic stress uh, disorder, um, do, do you think they're not entitled to quality care from serving our country? It has been proven. It's a proven fact that cannabis helps our veterans that suffer from post-traumatic stress disorder. You know, and I can personally speak for my own for my own experience in life it, it, it definitely helps um you know and and it's just you know to say it's addictive you know just like anything else i mean you're addicted to water you got to drink water i mean you know your body has an endocannabinoid system in it um your body needs cannabinoids to function you're just enhancing it by introducing more of them into your system when ingesting cannabis um you know your body actually needs it you know, it's, it's, a necessity. Um, it's not an addiction. All right. So enough digressing from the world of commercial industrial hemp. Um, but, uh, that, uh, concludes answering a little bit of a Q and A there from questions that were posted, uh, on our pages. Um, to, uh, I want to talk a little bit about the environmental and, and soil impact, um, that hemp has to the environment um, not only does it help regenerate the soil it detoxifies, detoxifies um, the soil um, when hemp is so rich in organic material it promotes the development of fertile grassland and the carbon that's produced the co2 is produced from the hemp plant is also exponentially higher than so many other um, plants that are out there. Um, The photosynthesis that is generated, you know, if you actually think about growing um, cannabis or hemp, um, a lot of it has to do with lighting. Um, The photosynthesis process that the hemp and cannabis plants generate, it produces significantly more, uh, you know, beneficial oxygen and scrubs the environment more so than a lot of other plants. Um, hemp plants, they actually can pull nuclear toxins from the soil. When I say nuclear toxins, I'm talking about, like, nuclear toxins. Like, for example, hemp was planted all around Chernobyl after the disaster um, to pull radioactive elements from the ground. Um, It's called phytoremediation. Phytoremediation, which means using the plant, phyto, to clean up polluted sites butter remediation is used to remove nuclear elements from soil. Um, I do believe uh, they're not using hemp, I don't think, and they should be in Japan. I know they're planting a lot of fields and stuff around the nuclear disaster that happened in over in Japan, um, but there's – and hemp also is a rotation crop, and since it stabilizes and enriches the soil, so when you rotate the hemp crop out of that, You can plant new crops in there, and you already have a vitamin-enriched rich soil to put your new crops in. And it's clean soil. It's not polluted soil. Um, So that is one of those things that, you know, hemp roots absorb um, and dissipate the energy of rain and runoff. It protects fertilizer, protects soil, keeps seeds in place. Um, Hemp plants actually slow down the velocity of runoff. Because they also are absorb absorbing moisture as well, um, and also create shade. It creates you know it creates temp- because hemp commercial hemp can grow huge like into like huge plants like towering over people, um, and it it stabilizes. It's a stabilizer. It's a ground stabilizer. Hemp is a ground stabilizer. It's one of the only plants you're going to find natural plants that, that that's a ground stabilizer. Um, And hemp, from stalk to stem all around, is completely biodegradable, recyclable. I mean, hemp is reusable. Every aspect of the plant can be used from the pulp to the protein to the fiber to the cellulose to the leaves to the stalk to the roots. Every part of the plant can be used. There is no waste from the plant at all. And then, honestly, hemp, it's a weed. (laughs) It can grow anywhere. Um, and it's its own fertilizer, it's its own herbicide. I mean, commercial hemp can take care of it's, itself. And they're not a huge water consumption plant either. Um, it takes 10 to 13 inches of water, a third of the amount uh, requires, let's say to, say, to grow cotton, for example. Cotton needs tons and tons of water, and our clothing is made from cotton and also polyester, which is derivative of plastic, you know, which also can be created from hemp. Um, You know, it's almost like I can go from one thing to the next thing to the next thing to the next thing that can be talking about how hemp can, you know, be used on so many different levels of sustainability, Um, you know, especially with with the amount of – let me digress for one second. Think about – let's just – let's step back from the world. Let's think about the United States for a minute about how much polluted land that we have from whether it be overuse of, uh, of fertilizers and I'm going to focus on farmland right now. I'm even going to get into other shit that's put into the ground. If you took it, look at farmland that has been dried and desolate and dead because of the overuse of chemical fertilizer by planting a hemp crop into that dead land quote unquote you will rejuvenate that entire land for use again and again and again and furthermore after your first two rounds of hemp crop growth in that dead soil that soil is going to be alive nutrient rich and ready to go for other crops as well so when you're thinking about just on a very basic level of greener living and cleaner earth by by planting commercial industrial hemp it is literally detoxifying the soil um that is being planted in so that in itself right there can just give you a a, a small concept on the potential of, of where you can go with with things like you know commercial and industrial hemp um now it is true our forefathers uh grew hemp um there is a heated discussion Uh, whether or not it was commercial hemp, whether it was cannabis, um, whether it was both. My personal opinion is I think it was both. I think they grew commercial hemp for clothing. I know they grew it for clothing, for rope. Um, You know, the the first drafts of, of, you know, the Constitution were written on hemp paper. Um, The, uh, you know, first American flag was made out of hemp fiber. Um, You know, the history of hemp, In the united states is is rich in our history um until 1937 um and then it revamped again in in world war ii uh for him for victory um you know I, i i am at a loss for words on occasion um because it's, it's almost asinine to have to have this conversation. I'm preaching to the choir. They're not really preaching to the choir. Maybe I'm educating. I am educating. How people can't listen to what I have to say or research on their own and see how commercial industrial hemp can change everything, it just boggles my mind. Who, who can debate this with me. Who wants to debate this with me? Actually, you know, I'll I'll put it out there. Um, anyone who wants to have a debate with me about commercial industrial hemp or cannabis, you let me know when you want to come on to the air come on air on the show, and I will have a debate with you all night. You just send an email, you can send to media at CINLLC.org or send me an send me an email personally, David at CINLC.org. I will debate with you whenever you want. I'll even air a special show. I am opening a challenge to anyone out there listening. You want to debate me on this? I will debate you. Bring it. I'm ready. Bring it on. I will debate you. I'm putting it out there. So I hope someone takes me up on my challenge and uh, wants to debate me uh, in regard to the benefits of hemp or cannabis, for that matter. I'm I'm open for debate for sure. Um, Would love to go ahead and have you on the show and take you on. Rush Limbaugh, talking to you, baby. You know, go ahead, try me. You know, I'm ready. Um, yeah. Okay. Weather forecast. Since, uh, you know, whatever, cloudy with a chance of munchies. That's um, kind of where I'm at at the moment, uh, which is a good thing. Which is a good thing. Um, add a little bit of white-heartedness to my ranting and raving um, here. Not that I'm really ranting and raving. I'm just being passionate about what I believe in. Um and I feel like I'm talking to myself again, which is kind of a weird feeling every now and again. Dad, hey, you still with me? Always. We're here. <laughs> What's going I on, man? I feel like I'm talking to the wall. I like your weather report. Yeah, so you guys. <laughs> cloudy with a chance of munchies. Yeah, it be cloudy with chance of giggles, depending upon, depending upon what mood you're in, you know. Yeah, well. I think I'm going to wrap it up because I've been rambling here for a while, so uh, I'm actually going to call tonight's show a wrap, and I thank everybody for listening. Um, I appreciate all of you uh, listening to Cannabis Network Radio uh, on Podstream Live, and uh, definitely be sure to check us out on iTunes. Uh, We are number four um, in podcasts under cannabis. We have beat out all the big dogs um, in terms of cannabis-related podcasts, will not name names. You can go look and see for yourself. Um, but, yeah, like us, rate us, uh, subscribe to us on iTunes. Um, you also can go to cannetradio.com, and you can uh, see a whole list of uh, our previous shows there. Um, you can subscribe to RSS feed. If you're not an Apple uh, subscriber, iTunes person, you can uh, listen to our shows there as well. Um, and uh, this is been another uh, episode of Cannabis Network Radio. We will be back live again Thursday evening, um, and I will be broadcasting, uh, I hope, from the studio, if not, then definitely from uh, Florida. Um, Again, it'll be nice to get back home, maybe not, it'll be nice, but whatever, it has its pros and cons, I guess, Uh, but it's always nice, I guess, to get home. Um, Well, thank you again, everyone, for listening. Have a great evening. Thank you for listening to Cannabis Network Radio. Have a good night. Peace.